We've been doing this series the last couple of weeks called No Fear November, and this is the last Sunday we have in November, so this is obviously the end of the series. But um, it's been interesting how, over the last number of weeks even, some of the conversations I've had with people during the week, how things have come to try and strike fear into them. And it's not been... We, don't, we used to say, um, I remember as a kid, someone was saying, anyway, put the fear of God in you. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> But it's not that kind of fear. That kind of fear of God wasn't the good kind of fear of God. And we're supposed to have a fear of God. I'm not saying we're not. And, you know, and, and I've often said it myself, even from this place, and, uh, and I've often had the conversations with people that the fear God wants us to have is a, is a respect and a, and a love. And it's, it's not that fear. Like, when I was brought up, it was like a fear of God as if God was going to kill me and batter me and do all horrible things to me. Um, and that's not God's heart towards us at all. But there's another element in that as well is that like anywhere you see anyone in the scriptures who met an angel, never mind God, who just met an angel, they fell down on the floor, petrified. So there must be something kind of scary about that as well. And, and there's a part of us needs to maybe remember that God is holy and he's just. And that without the blood of Jesus, we can't come into his presence. Or we'd just be burnt up. So, so there is a place of kind of a, this balance between, not that fear that, you know, we were taught when we were kids maybe, but that, like, I feared me man and dad. I loved them and respected them, but I had fear of them as well, you know what I mean? So that there is something in that respect that we need to have around God. But for the rest of the fear that exists, I believe that is not God's plan for our life. All of it. I don't care what it is. I don't think it's what God's plan is for our life. And I said the first week I was doing this that I've often heard quotes of 365 fear knots, one for every day of the year in the Bible, and I still haven't found them all. Okay, even if I try and twist words around and make it sound like it's a fear knot, I still haven't been able to manage it. I have found about 80, though. Um, so there's a good few. There's enough to keep us going for a little while. Yeah? But there is a definite message throughout Scripture where God is going, don't be afraid of anything except me. Don't be afraid of anything. Um, and I, I, I saw that several really good analogies for fear, and I've said this as well over the last couple of weeks, that fear often is like false evidence appeared in real. And often the fear that we get in our hearts, in, in our heads and in our hearts, and particularly in relation to your life and what you're trying to do with your life, will be false. It won't be true. Look, how many times have we ever sat up all night worrying about something that never happens? Because we really thought this was going to happen. This is real now. Someone's out there telling me something and, or I'm out there seeing something on Facebook, for God's sake. Like, do you know what I mean? It's become one of the biggest fear mongers now as well as Sky News. It's given it a run for its money. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like we live in, in, in Ireland and there's people terrified because there's fires in California. Do you know what I mean? Like, just crazy stuff. It's just fear, fear. And it's not, I'm not saying that some of the things aren't real, but fear is a very common human experience that God never had until Jesus was on the planet. Because God never has and still hasn't got anything to be afraid of. But Jesus as a human experienced what it would be like to experience fear. <clears throat> and when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he experienced fear. But here's the thing, an angel came and strengthened him. And whatever God would do for Jesus, he will do for you. And when God says, do not be afraid... He doesn't want to give out to you 
if you're afraid. He doesn't want to, like, oh, you're afraid, eh? I'll give you a good kick while you're down. He wants to give you something that will help you and strengthen you and lift you up and encourage you. And that's what he did. He didn't do it to Jesus when Jesus was, was afraid and sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, the Father, didn't go, you ticky, what are you doing? He sent an angel to strengthen him. And he will do that for you and he'll do that for me. And he's done it. I've seen it. Maybe that angel had human skin on. And it just happened to be the right person in the right place at the right time. But God used that. And sometimes we can be that angel. We can be the person who sends the text, makes the phone call, knocks on the door, asks someone to go over the cup of tea, just sits with someone and listens and talks and encourages. We can be that person who strengthens someone else who's going through fear. But I still believe that that fear is not from God. Because Scripture tells me that perfect love casts out all fear. And Jesus came and came to live inside of me and he's perfect love. So I shouldn't be living in fear. Whatever that fear may be. Um, and in the Scripture 2, Timothy 1.7, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power and love and self-control. And I want to... I Zone in on that for a minute. God did not give us a spirit of fear. So somewhere in there, the scripture is telling me that fear is a spiritual force. That it has a life of its own. And that it comes to visit. But God didn't send it to me. He sent me love and peace and a sound mind. But somewhere in there too, I have, I have a choice about what do I believe? And what do we believe? What do we really believe? Fear can be real or it can be imagined. Like if I see a big dog coming running at me with his teeth, I could probably have a fear he might bite me. Now that'd be a fairly real beer, fear, wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? But if I'm walking down Casher Road and I'm afraid that I'm going to see a big black bear coming down running at me, that'd be fairly imagined. What fears have you got that are maybe are real? And they're going to help you move towards safety. Or what fears have you got that are that aren't real. They're just coming on you. And because they're coming on you, they're putting you in a box that's stopping you living the life you could be living because of them fears. And because it's spiritual, there's something about that that we need to know that we're in a fight. Because in Ephesians 6 and 12, it says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now that is a mouthful, and I accept that, and that is a huge mouthful, and you could spend weeks just taking that little piece apart. But let me point out two or three things in it. One, there are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, and I haven't met anyone yet who says they believe in God, or who doesn't even say, and would say they definitely don't believe in God, who cannot sit and agree with me that there are evil forces in this world. Is that fair enough? Yeah? I don't think anyone has a problem saying there is definitely. Just look at the stuff that people do to people. In, under whatever name you want, whether it's under the name of God or under the name of a, of a political force or whatever, but the evil that people do to evil, there is something driving that. And, and I have sat with people who would tell me they're complete atheists. They believe in nothing, but they'll still say, there's something going on there. There's something driving that. 
there is rulers and powers and authorities in this world. And the reality of it is that we have, and we're in a fight. And here's the thing. Before you commit your life to Jesus, or you accept Jesus as your Savior, or whatever language you want to use in that, before you start walking with God for real in your life, you only have one enemy, and that's God. Because the way the Scripture teaches me, I'm either in God's family or I'm not. And if I'm not in his family, then technically I'm his enemy. He still loves me, though. So he's a nice enemy. Does that make sense? He wants to woo me in. He doesn't want to, to get me. He wants to help me. He loves me. When I commit my life and I become part of God's family, then I have a couple of enemies. Because if the world I'm living in doesn't want me part of God's family, the devil doesn't want me part of God's family, and nine out of ten times my own flesh doesn't want me part of God's family. Because it's quite happy doing its own thing. And it doesn't want to stop. So I end up with three different enemies. But I end up with a force inside of me that is bigger than all of that because God didn't give me a spirit of fear. He gave me a spirit of peace and of a sound mind and of love. I met with a man the other day for the job that I do. I interview people for a program, for um, a suicide program. And uh, it was really sad to say the least this man is working so hard to keep himself alive. So hard. And he's not spiritual. He's not saying this in any spiritual sense. But he said the thoughts are so destructive. They just come. He said, when I was doing nothing with my life, the thoughts would come and say, you're useless. You're fat. You're this. You're a slob. You do nothing. You're no good. Blah, blah, blah. And now he goes to the gym four times a week. And he eats well. And he works. And he does all of this stuff. And he said, now the thoughts come and say, it's still not working, isn't it? You might as well be dead. Nobody cares. He's a wife and four kids. And he is talking. And we're not having a spiritual conversation at all. But he is talking about an entity that is speaking to him. And telling him he might as well be dead. And I'm sitting, praying, trying to speak to him and then be split personality in the back of my head praying at the same time going, Jesus, set him free. Do you know what I mean? That is demonic. That's, and we don't, like, I'm, I'm not into doing the spooky kind of let's go to super spiritual, have a, a thing, but we have to realize we're in a fight. And it's not something to be afraid of, it's just something to realize it's real. And there is a spirit out there that wants you living in fear and wants me living in fear. And that spirit would even tell me not to talk about it here because I'll scare people off. Don't talk about spiritual stuff. Don't tell them there's demons and all that because they'll be afraid and they won't ever come back to church again. But that's the same spirit that's going to try and trap you into not living the life you're supposed to live. We don't need to get freaked out if we realize there are demonic forces because they're not God. They're just created beings who have a limited amount of power and can't do anything to our lives without God's permission. I mean, a lot of times without our cooperation. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, should be up on the wall, it tells us the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Here's what we have 
We have the blood of Jesus on our side. And it is the strongest force known. It's stronger than any atom bomb, nuclear weapon. We have love, which is still the strongest force on the planet. And we have the word of our testimony of what Jesus has done in our life. They're weapons we can fight with every single day. Because every day fear comes to try and stop you moving into the next thing. You can remind yourself of what God has already done by using your own testimony and talking to yourself. You can remind yourself that we are engulfed in, washed in, drowning in the love of God and the grace of God. But all of that is going to come back down again to what do you actually believe? And even what do you know? See, God's word is power. But to have that power, we need to read it, learn it, speak it, believe it, and live it. Let me say that again. To have that power. I have met tons of people have walked through the doors of hope over the last nine years who wanted the peace, who wanted the grace, who wanted the love, and who wanted the power and who wanted their lives to change but weren't willing to pay any price for it. And all the price was, was they needed to read the Word of God. They needed to take the time out to read what he said to them. And then they needed to learn it, and then they needed to put it into action. And that's all it takes. It's a big ask, but the rewards are huge. Huge. There's two scriptures. I've told this story before, and I'll tell it again. I grew up believing I was a waste of space, and a mistake. And two lines of scripture literally changed my life forever. I would not do any of the work I do now. I would not have the family I have now. I certainly wouldn't be operating in any kind of a, a leadership role. Only for there's a scripture in Ephesians 2.10 that says I was created to do good works that were made before I came to be. And in Psalm 139, there's a scripture that says that God knit me together in my mother's womb. And if you look at that scan of Shane and Ruth's baby, you can see God at work. Okay? The two of those scriptures challenged the belief that was in me that I was a mistake and that I shouldn't be on the planet. Because if that was true, so I either believed the mistake or I believed the word of God that says I'm here on purpose, with purpose, and for purpose, which is what Ephesians tells me. See, we either think God is with us and we think we're on our own. In Proverbs it says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So, so whatever I believe about me and whatever you believe about you, you're going to live out of it. If you think God put you here on purpose with a plan for your life and with a real reason for you to do something extraordinary with your life, then you'll find that and you'll live out of it. Or if you believe you're just here and you're just here, then you'll live out of that. Now, an extraordinary purpose for your life may not be something that's going to end up in lights. Or it may not be something that will get you on telly or make you famous or make you famous even among a group of people. That may be just being an amazing family person who takes care of their kids or who, who raises a family or who does work in their community that no one else knows about. I said, we have a group of people who come here and clean every week. I sent them a text during the week saying, thank you so much because your name will never be up in lights and hope. You'll never be up on the stage with a microphone with people looking at you while you clean the toilets. But God recognizes everybody. And God remembers all of that. And he rewards the faithful. But he knows that if you're doing your job, 
Like there's people here, I know Cathy and Martina walking in place. That is extremely difficult and dark. And, but they can be the light of God in that place. It doesn't have to be a church thing. But every one of us have a chance to do something that makes a real difference in this world. But if we're living out of a place where we don't believe what God says about us, then we're going to miss out on that. We're going to miss out on it. And we either live out of fear or we live out of faith. And the way I believe <coughs> I learned how to live out of fear is from this scripture in 2 Corinthians. It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the, word, the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So here's the thing. When, when I learned to be a counselor, I learned a thing called um, reality therapy and choice theory. And it was all about taking control of your thoughts. It was all about challenging what you were thinking. It was all about what are you thinking and what are you doing and what do you want out of your life? And if you want X, well, then what are you doing, Y and Z? You need to be doing whatever's going to do that. We've, I joined Slim World a few weeks ago and I haven't been doing what I should have been doing. I've been doing some of it, but not all of it. Okay. So there's this kind of thing in me head, you know what I mean? If you really want that, Brian, well, then why the hell are you doing this? Do you know what I mean? So, but there's a thought process in there. And I used to think, my head is full of stuff. I don't know. Has anybody else experienced that? Some people say my head's like a washing machine. It's just going around on a spin cycle and it won't stop, okay? But here's the reality. The way we're hardwired, we can only process one thought at a time. Only one, okay? So when that scripture says, take every thought captive, it's not saying take the washing machine captive. It's saying take one. And how you take a cat, well, how I've learned to take a captive is, I fight it with what God says. So when my head tells me I'm a piece of crap, I go, well, Jesus doesn't love crap. I was knit together in my mother's womb by God, so that has to be okay. I was born with a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 tells me that I have a purpose for my life. So every time something comes against me, that's the only thing I have. They're the weapons I have to fight it with. So here's the question I have to ask you, right? I'm going to cut to the chase. What do you believe? What do you believe about you? And what do you believe about what God says about you? What do you believe about the reality of, is there actually a fight? Because here's the thing, I believe there is a fight. There really is a fight. And the fight is for your life and it's for your future. And it may not even be just for you. It may well be for the generations that are going to come behind you. Because some people go, Asher, it doesn't matter too much what I do. But there are people watching you. There are kids watching you. There will be grandkids watching you. There will be grandkids watching you. Okay, there will be grandkids watching you. Okay, we have grandkids. I get to see them this afternoon. I'm really looking forward to it. But I know the life we live will impact our grandkids. The life we lived impacted our kids. The life they're living will impact their grandkids, not just their kids. But we have to realize we're in a fight. And if we want freedom, sometimes you have to fight for the freedom. Jesus came to set us free. But sometimes we have to go and grab it. But it's our fight. And I love this. When you become fearless, you become limitless. Just think about that for a minute. What puts limits on your life right now? Fear. When you become fearless, you become limitless. 
I'm going to ask you something. Who doesn't want to live a life that's limitless? So why keep fear? So I have something I want to ask you to do for the week. Would you give these out for me, Chris? Yeah. I'd love to give you a chance to walk around. Hate you. Okay. I just finished the course of antibiotics yesterday. <clears throat> I was lucky enough it was only one tablet a day. But I've often been on medication where you have to take three a day. Do you know that? One with your breakfast, one with your lunch, and one with your dinner. Okay. So I want to give you a prescription for the next month, the next 30 days, which will bring you up to the week before Christmas. Whether you take this prescription or not will be up to you. But I want to say to you, I know for a fact if you do this, it will change your life. In some cases, it can change it dramatically. In other cases, it may only change it a bit. But I guarantee it will change it. It will not be the same. So I've given you seven scriptures, one for each day of the week, which I would like you to try and memorize for you. And what I want to invite you to do is, tomorrow, on Monday... I want you to take day one, and it's Psalm 23, 4, and it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. And I want you to read that to yourself tomorrow morning, and at lunchtime, and at tea time, and before you go to bed. And if possible, during the day, try and memorize it. Try and get it into your head, and try and remember it. And then on Tuesday... I want you to read 2 Timothy that says, For God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and discipline. And do the same thing. And on Wednesday from Hebrews, so we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I won't be afraid. Excuse me, what can a man do to me? On day four, which will be Thursday, try Isaiah. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. On Friday, John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Saturday, Deuteronomy, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And finally, next Sunday, from Exodus, Moses said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Egyptians are whoever it is that's robbing your life. Now, I want to say to you, you can do this or not do it. You're all adults in this room. The kids are gone, okay? If you want to have the life you've got right now for the rest of your life, then keep doing the things you're doing. If you want to have a different life, then you've got to do something different. My promise to you is that if you spend the next... 28 days. You don't even need to do 20 days. 28 days. Memorizing those seven scriptures. Do the set for a week. Do the set for the second week. Do the set for the third week. Do the set for the fourth week. I promise you that by this time in a month's time, fear will have a very different place in your life. And your potential will be vastly expanded. Your opportunities will open up because there's opportunities to do stuff all around us, but fear stops us even seeing it. The amount of people I have met who say, I'd love to do this, but that but is the fear. Whatever that fear is, I wouldn't be able to do it. 
this thing, person to think I'm stupid, whatever it is. I haven't got the money, whatever. But that boat is the fear that's robbing you. But those scriptures are telling you what God says about you. And every single one of them says, don't be afraid. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm with you. And if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is my helper, what can man do to me? And here's the thing you can go, but man can bait you up and he can kill you. Yes, he can. But let me tell, me, tell you, if he kills me, all he's doing is sending me to heaven sooner. And if I believe what I say I believe, then heaven is my reward. So why would I want to be putting it off? It's nice to be here, but I'd rather be in heaven. I'm guessing it's a bit warmer than this place. Okay, or at least a bit more comfortable. What is the big fear? What is your big fear? What is the fear that's stopping you? What is causing you to have limits on your life? Because Jesus doesn't want them there. Because he wants you free. And he wants you to be all that he created you to be. So I'm going to play that song again. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to seriously just sit for a minute. And if you don't know if there's limits on your life, or if you don't know if there's stuff that's stopping you, then I want to ask you to sit with God for a second and ask him, is there? And ask him to show you what it is. And ask him then to show you how to overcome it. Ask him to show you how his word can help you. If you can take it on. If you will read it. If you learn it. If you'll apply it. If you'll believe it. And if you'll live it. It will transform the life that you've got. And 2019 will be a year like nothing you've ever seen before. And it will be the start of a whole new life. I promise you. A whole new life. And I will stake my life on that. So, Father, I thank you that, that you care enough about us. That you will take the time out of running this world to make sure that we hear that fear is a liar. That fear is stopping us and that fear is not from you. So, God, I don't know what's in everyone's life in this room. Maybe it's fear of failure. Maybe it's fear that they're not good enough. Maybe it's fear of letting go of a hurt or a grudge or a a wrong someone did to them. Maybe it's fear of stepping into a new relationship. Maybe it's fear of being vulnerable. Maybe it's fear of being bankrupt. Maybe it's fear of being homeless. Maybe it's fear of being left on their own. Maybe it's fear of being sick. Maybe it's fear of dying. Whatever it is, God. Whatever it is, Lord, would you let everyone in this room know that that fear has only the power that we give it. It only has the power we give it. And that we are so much more. And the life you want and have for us is so much more. Father, today I pray you set your people free. I pray you set your people free to live the life you created them to live.
to live out the purpose you have for them, to live out the promises you have for them, Lord. Lord, I echo what that song says, let your fire fall. Let your fire fall and drive out all our fear. Let your fire fall and set us free. Let your fire fall and let us become the men and the women that you created us to be. So right now, Lord, I pray you would move in our hearts and move in our heads. If not, then I really ask you and I hope and I pray that you will take on board what God is saying, that you don't have to live in fear. And that if you want to know how to fight fear, it's good to get other people to pray with you, but you need to learn how to fight it on your own. And the prescription I gave you today is a great way to learn how to fight fear. And I will stand with you till the day you die. So, Father, I pray you bless your people. I pray your presence goes with them. I pray your love washes over them. I pray that you would just take care of each and every person in this room and their families. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, guys.